1: Hi, I'm Sarah Strader, military spouse and executive director of the Secure Families Initiative. We're a nonpartisan nonprofit that trains and inspires military partners, family members and veterans to vote and advocate for their communities. Today I'm going to talk about becoming your own advocate during a deployment. I'll start by defining what we mean when we say advocate and then talk about some of the skills that you can grow in that area. My teammate Kate Marsh Lord is going to share some personal examples from her deployment experiences, and then I'll wrap up with some action steps that you can take today. The term advocate can sound a bit daunting and scary to some. So let me spell out what we're actually talking about. In the civilian world, advocacy typically refers to when we encourage our elected representatives in government to either pass or oppose a law based on how it would affect our lives. Sometimes issues become ballot initiatives, in which case you're appealing directly to voters to make a change. In the military world, it's slightly different. Instead of lobbying political leaders, we're trying to persuade military leaders and their support staff to either solve a problem that our individual family is facing or even take the next step and make a policy change that would broadly help more families facing that same issue. Let me take one pressing issue of our time and use it as an example to show how these two worlds of advocacy can play together. How many of us have been touched by the military housing crisis? Basically every one of us, right? Between black mold, lead paint, unreasonable expenses, you name it, most every one of us has had experience getting hassled. Well, military family housing advocates have been involved in advocacy in both legislatively and within DOD. Legislatively, uh, they've pushed for things like the Tenant Bill of Rights that passed the U.S. Congress in 2019 and is still in the process of getting implemented. That's an example of a law that advocates push for. Now within DOD, advocates have been pushing for other things like getting private contracting companies to make fixes on their properties or to retract spurious costs that they were trying to uh, belay onto uh, users, you name it. Advocacy for housing-related issues has happened both legislatively and within DOD. And believe it or not, these two worlds of advocacy may be very different, but there are some shared strategies that can help you be successful whichever world you're in. Back in May of this year, SFI hosted a civic engagement boot camp where we gathered key community leaders to share their tips on self-advocacy, both legislatively and within DOD. I'm going to share today some of the key takeaways that we got from that event. Advice number one, find out who the policy owner is. What person or governing body has jurisdiction over the issue that you care about? So in the civilian world, we've got local, state, and federal governments. Figure out which level of government tends to make the kinds of laws that you need to change. It could be your local school board or your member of Congress out in DC. Do a little bit of digging to find out. And in the military world, it's the same deal. Some policies happen at the very local base level while others get routed all the way through the Pentagon. Start asking around and figuring out where the current policy barrier to solving your problem is and start tackling it there. Most often you're gonna wanna start at whatever the lowest level is and work your way up from there. Advice number two, gather your data and your people. One common pitfall I see amongst some military family advocates is telling their personal story of challenge without expanding on how that challenge impacts other families too. It's super important to not only tell your story of self, but to tell the story of us. And that's where data comes in. Is there a survey report out there that might put numbers to your issue? Or could you start gathering anecdotes from other families to add some qualitative data to your case? Then bring a posse with you. Start to talk to your neighbors on base or your military spouse, friends on social media. and Get them excited about joining your effort. In organizing, we call this building people power, and it's a super effective way of pushing for change. Plus, it's way more fun than doing something hard all by yourself. Advice number three, if you get told no, keep going. Advocacy requires a thick skin. Anytime you challenge the status quo, 99 times out of 100, the first response you get is gonna be a no that or a silent non-response. But either way, you shouldn't let that stop you from asking the next person up the chain of command. Oh, your unit level personnelist didn't like your request? Try the Family Support Center on base. Your state senators ignored you? Well, figure out which Senate committee has jurisdiction over your issue and try approaching the leadership instead. There's always a next level to try. And bring your receipts with you. Seasoned advocates have said that when you can show a paper trail of having knocked on the door at each corresponding level, that can really help you finally get the yes from the person who can tell you. Advice number four, no level is inaccessible to you. Maybe you're stationed overseas right now, far away from the district back home where you vote. Don't worry, you can still advocate to your local, state, and federal representatives, even from abroad. It just takes a little bit of tweaking. Try using email rather than a phone call, for example. Maybe the next policy owner on your to-do list is a four-star general. Eek! I promise you, I know of military spouses who have written articles in media outlets, and a few days later they get a phone call from a powerful office offering to help. No matter what level you're trying to tackle, don't psych yourself out. You can do this.
2: Hi, my name is Kate Marsh-Lord, and I work with Sarah at the Secure Families Initiative. Sarah laid out steps for advocacy that apply to both DOD and civilian policy, and I've employed those tools as part of a national grassroots organization to change local policies. But today I'm going to tell you how I use some of these same ideas to advocate for myself and my family. My husband was tasked with a short notice 365 remote deployment, and at the time we had two small kids. Like many military families, maybe like you, we were stationed in an area with no family and we didn't have a great support network. I knew that staying at that base during the year deployment wasn't going to work for us. So we immediately started researching our options. In this case, policy existed that would move me and the kids to be closer to my family while my spouse was deployed. So there was a structure to support and do what we were hoping to do. It was best for my kids and me, but of course, it did mean that we had just a few few weeks, a short time to find renters for the home where we were living in Florida, rent a new place in Ohio where we were moving, and pack and relocate. Of course, after a few renters following through and a desperate house hunt, my kids and I settled, settled into a home two miles from both my mom and my dad, and we had lots of other family and a great support network in Ohio. This turned out to be really important and incredibly valuable because several months into the deployment my father was diagnosed with an aggressive form of leukemia and he passed away 14 weeks later. Obviously it was an incredibly difficult deployment but it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Because we were living nearby I was able to see my dad during his treatment and I was able to support my family after his passing in a way that would have been impossible if I was still living halfway across the country. The whole experience was an important lesson for me about how to navigate military life it's worth fighting for what your family needs. And when we have the power, when there are systems in place that we can use, we need to make them work for us. And if they don't, we need to fight to make sure that they do. Whether you're trying to change DOD policy, you're working to to implement civilian legislation, or you're fighting for your family, you are the advocate you need and you are the advocate you deserve. So keep going, you got this.
1: I'm really glad Kate shared her deployment experience, not only because it's nice to hear about DOD policy going well, but because it points to an example of civilian law that we're actually trying to change. It has to do with voting. Right now, U.S. law makes it really difficult for military spouses like Kate, who might move home during her spouse's deployment or spouses who might geobatch during an assignment to still be able to vote absentee. Uh, and this is an example of a loophole that we're trying to close and one of many types of voting and national security issues that you can help us improve by joining SFI. Hopefully today's quick training has given you some information and inspiration about how to become your own advocate, whether your loved one's deployed right now or not. If you're looking for more in-depth training materials and or you want to connect with a community of like-minded, civically engaged military families, I encourage you to join SFI. You can sign up to become a member and get all of our email notifications, and you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also have a small dedicated volunteer corps who gets more consistently involved in our activities. When you sign up to become a volunteer, we onboard each person one-on-one and do everything that we can to connect you with personally tailored activities that both have a high impact and help you develop your professional portfolio along the way. Ultimately, there is no one way of being an advocate. There is room in this space for every single one of us with all of our different styles to make a difference.
0: Thanks for joining us.